Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles in the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Brad. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How's Addison? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah? What did you do this weekend? Anything fun? Uh, I caught things on fire. Yes. Yes. Burning a bunch of twigs and branches and half trees and smoking out the neighbors. And yes, I was smelling like some pretty thick smoke. Now, this isn't your uh, KLR you were burning, right? No. All right, just making sure. No, and I wasn't starting any fires with the KLR either. Uh, I was uh, just burning some stuff around the house. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What about yourself? What'd you do? Uh, I didn't do too much this weekend. Just relaxed. Spent last week in Boston. Yeah. Had the uh, desire to go visit some of our uh, our friends over at Madhouse Motors, but never could get off work in time to, to go do that. And I saw some of the Boston history. Saw a little bit of Salem. Yeah. Uh, saw very few bikes on the road. I think it yeah. might be due to the sheer cold out there, but I was surprised. It was sunny the whole week, so yeah. I thought I'd see Was there a lot of snow? Uh, on the sides, there was nothing on the road. Yeah. yeah, there were some in the parking lots and whatnot that was left over. Yeah, but not like there was any, you know, in any normal location that wasn't plowed to mm-hmm. that location. So, no bikes on the road, but uh, had a had a week there. I don't know if "good" is the right word, but had a week there. Okay, okay. Did you have any good food while you're there? <laughs> Some pretty good food. Yeah, I, I'm impressed by the uh, East Coast seafood. Yes. Went to uh, what was it? Local seafood, I think it was called, and uh, had just this mixer plate of whatever the chef's choice seafood of the day was. It was pretty freaking good. Yeah, I was impressed. Yeah, yeah, I gotta say for for the low price, I think it was pretty inexpensive for this plate of like six different items, mm-hmm. and it was it was good. So yeah. yeah, that's always the benefit of traveling for work is you can have some pretty good food. Yeah. I asked for a Boston cream pie, and you told me you'd bring one, so I thought you'd be presenting it to I ate me it in the plane. Did you? Yeah. Good. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Was it good? Uh, yeah. They're sure. not as amazing as I thought. You know, I remember the little Debbie Boston cream pies. That's what I. That's you can buy little Debbie yeah, Boston I, cream pies. I didn't realize your, those were good. Your standards were so low, or I would have just picked one up on the way into work today. Yeah, I mean, come on. Sorry. You should have known. I should have known. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I have seen your lunch choice. So I should have known. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Did they have pizza? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, that's about all. You, that's your only requirement, I think, for a restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah. They have pizza. Have you ever eaten pizza? I'll eat here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not that's, do you have, but saying. have you eaten pizza? Yes. Yeah. Good. No, it makes it easy. But uh, yeah, otherwise, didn't do too much. Just relaxed, rested, had a, you know some family time, catch up since I was gone for a while. Yeah, week. but right before you went, you were doing a little bit of work. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. End of uh, end of what two weeks ago after we recorded last, got uh, got everything prepped for the bike. Okay. Got uh, an oil change. Check the valves. They're all good. Yes. Um, you know, oil looked clean but used, but it was also time to change it just over time. It's been mm-hmm. more than six months, so it was time to change it. Um, but basically got the bike ready and, you yeah. know, 
Got to post it online again. Got to post online. Just reposted it today. Yeah. So low price. Oh, it was just today. You mentioned that earlier, but I didn't catch that. Yeah. So yeah. today it's been posted. No, your your phone hasn't blown up yet. No, it hasn't blown up. I don't think it yeah. will. It's a it's yeah. a good. It bike. has a good battery in it. It has a market. It has yeah. a good battery. Yeah. Good, fires up. I mean, yeah. after I did the oil change, fired right up. There's no problems. Ran fine. Yes. And uh, yeah. Didn't I was talking it. about the battery in your phone. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're not going to blow up. No. I think Samsung had a problem with that or something. Anyway, yeah. We're way off track already. I, it's, it's what I do. It's what I do. I just, even though you went with it and it made sense, I had to clarify that I went a different way. Yeah. I, anyway. I, so, so that's good. So your bike's ready. I haven't done a thing on my bike other than, you know, I took the, the jug out, looked at that, took the piston off of the rod and saw that it's... Uh, the, okay. the piston pin has a little bit of of uh, scoring on it, so I'm going to replace that. Of course, I need to do all my measurements still. So, just with it being so nice outside, and knowing that I couldn't just put the bike together and get on the road, I decided to do some stuff outside and enjoy the weather. So That's it was fair. good. Wife and I and son got to go and play a little bit outside, and like I said, catch things on fire and smoke out the neighbors. So it was good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting Nancy to, to sell the bike. I'm wanting that other bike. So, uh, yeah. If, I know. You keep on you saying, should my... I just trade it in? Uh, should no. I just trade it in? I'm like, no, 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 no. So anyone listening, I know there's only a handful, but uh, if you're interested in a scrambler, just give me a call make me an offer. Yeah. Worst thing I can do is say no. Because <laughs> at this point, I'm kind of kind of <laughs> itching to get a different bike. It's The bug was laid, what, end of last year, and it's been festering and getting worse since then, and now I'm pretty excited okay. for it. Okay, so let's assume that you have your new bike. Sure. Maybe let's say it's, uh, whether it's new or used, I mean, what's the first thing that you want to do in preparation for this year? Is there anything else that you want to get? Do you have the tent you want for some of these rides? Do you have the gear? I mean, what are you going to be doing in preparation for for our ride coming uh, near Memorial Day? Yeah, I've got basically everything I need. Um, for the bike, I'd probably get, I've got one small uh, oil can or fuel canister. Okay. Um, if I'm, you know, we're talking the XSR, which has a pretty small fuel tank for what it is. I think it's still bigger than a number of the choppers that are planning to go with us. Okay. However, just for reference, it would probably be a, good, be a good time to buy. I'd like to have two strapped to the bike just so I can carry an extra couple liters. Sure. You sure. Know, so of the same size, your little uh, water jug style, yeah, sized. Uh, basically a little one liter jug. Can. Get okay. two of those. And I think strap those to the sides of, of bags. Now, for this bike, I'll need some kind of storage, and the plan, you and I had kind of talked about this, it's probably a good conversation, I don't know if that's where we're going today, but, um, you know, the plan would be, I kind of keep mulling over that XSR900 or the FJ09, and the XSR900 is the bike I like the looks of, I like the, I mean, they both ride pretty similar, so I guess I can't say I like the way it rides, but the ergonomics of it I like better. Sure. It's more of a fun, aggressive position than the FJ09, it's a lot more comfortable, and standard on the FJ09. Mm-hmm. For a long distance for trip. For distance, yeah. So the FJ09 is definitely, a, you know, more the touring bike of the two. Has the bags, has the windshield, and has a little bit more upright. I mean, it, it's minimal, but a little mm-hmm. more upright position. And so I kept mulling over, is that, you know, is that a better choice? Same engine, same ride. Right. I mean, last episode, you said that you were walking away from the FJ09. Yep. And that you are going, you're gravitating towards yep. the XSR 900. And that's that's the plan, and, and that's what it would be, is I would want to get some sort of bags 
and a windshield, I can do that for less money than upgrading to the FT09 anyway. Mm-hmm. To get the touring set up, I you know that would be completely usable. So right. So I mean, you're looking at so in the past, you've had a rack that you built on your Triumph, and then everything kind of strapped to that. So you're saying for this next bike that you'd like to have, whether they're hard or soft, because you haven't really defined which, you'd like to have some nice bags that you can mount to it and a racking system for it as well? Or what are you thinking? How do you want to rig up whatever bike it is that you end up getting into? The plan would be, yeah, just two two smaller saddlebags. Because, it's again, it's kind of that smaller naked sport-looking bike, so I don't want to put two giant you know, aluminum cans on the side. It's just not... Yeah, but they can come off. Of course, they can, they can come, come off. off. But the bigger the the bigger the side bags, the bigger the rack usually. Okay, and so then you and end the up with this big unsightly. You can take the rack off too. That's yeah, more work than just a simple disconnect. I think that you're an engineer. No, I understand that you okay. can remove okay. and replace bolts a hundred times. Okay, so you're you're worried about aesthetics as well, but which I, I think like, a lot of people would. So yeah. what do people do in that situation? So that's why I'd like to have a, a custom tail rack that fits above and or supports the rear fender. Okay. So it allows you to have the saddlebags as side supports because it is a much thinner seat. The passenger seat on this bike is significantly thinner than the Triumph. Non-existent? Um, basically. Okay. It's just that kind of little triangle <laughs> triangle pad for somebody to sit yeah. on. It's, it's not much. So you'd need the side bags on this, whereas I could strap things across the rack and back seat on the Triumph because it was a wide enough seat. This would never work. It would sag over and, and probably do... I guess there's no pipe on this, so you could do it. It would just look terrible. It would, you know, be sagging over the back. Mm-hmm. Um, so the yeah, the plan would be to have those saddle saddlebags be sort of the the frame with a small tail rack to support the bigger bag on top. So mm-hmm. I can fill those two saddlebags with the smaller items, stuff for the bike toolkit, camping gear, whatever it is, the cook set, um, everything I would need to to do the basic camping items, and then have my big bag with most of the gear on top of that that I've already got. Okay. Uh, that would be the game plan for the longer trips. And the saddlebags for most trips, you know, commuting to and from work, if they're just big enough to hold a backpack mm-hmm. or backpack size where I don't need a backpack and I put my laptop and everything in there, that would be ideal. So that would be nice to have the saddlebags just for my commute. Now, so what about weight distribution? So I've, I've heard and I've read that weight distribution matters to some extent. Some people say don't worry about it too much. Other people say that you need to think about it. Have you ever been concerned with left and right side of the bike weighing a little bit heavier, the weight being high versus low center of gravity or affecting the center of gravity of the bike? I don't... On smaller bikes, I think it's much more necessary. Okay. You're talking, you know, a single cylinder... KLR 250s. KLR 650s. KLR 250s. The 450s. These smaller bikes... If you put too much weight on the back, you end up too light on the front. On the freeway, you get a little loose. Yeah, yeah. I think those are real issues. Truth be told, the XSR is a light bike, so it could be somewhat of an issue. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a light person, and therefore any amount of 70 pounds extra I have on the back with full bags will not offset my large frame. Now, does it have a, a, a coilover adjustable rear shock? I don't know how much range you get. Yes, you foresee yourself adjusting that. Okay, it's not toolless. You have to. I believe it's just a spanner inch where you tighten right. that, that right. shock. So it's not. It's not difficult to do, but you wouldn't want to do it variably while you rock. Do you see yourself making that 100%. adjustment before you go? Yep. I do it every year on the Triumph. It's got adjustable rear shocks where you have to have a tool and you click it into the position it should be. 
Oh, so you do that for the trip? So I do that every time for the you trip. You get used to riding because you. I'm assuming you put all the weight on there and then well, you I adjust just, it. Or I just, how do you do yeah, it? Yeah, I put the weight on, and I now I now know about what it should be per weight. But I just go two clicks up and right. And it, it rides as if it. I didn't have the. So how would somebody before. go through that process? If okay, I, I've rigged up my bike and I know that I'm kind of I'm staying with the weight and I'm adjusting it. What what is the process for somebody to do that adjustment? So that way they know that they're going to have the nice balanced feel and support going down the road, but not be too stiff and not be too soft. Now, you know, the, the actual mechanics of it change based on the bike. Some of them are just, you know, that spanner wrench that clicks the whole mechanism or screws it, you know, or screw that tightens that spring for the preload. Um, you know, some of the newer, nicer bikes are just a, you, you select your mode on the on the screen and it auto adjusts as such. Um, but a lot of times, it, it's that feel. It's hard to kind of explain until you've you've experimented with it. Okay. So if we're talking like a new rider, you've got a bike. You know, maybe we'll take step back, and I know we're not the first people to talk about this in the world, but you know, there's three or four things on a bike that the second you get it are adjusted to quote-unquote default for the guy that took it out of the crate. Okay. He took it out of the crate, made two or three adjustments, in some cases zero adjustments, just left it how it was shipped. Right. And they sell the bike as such. So it could be adjusted for 50% male of this height, or it sure. could be 80% or 30%. We don't know where the range but, is. you know, these items yeah. are, are fully adjustable to exactly what is comfortable for you. Some of that is sure. your... Your levers on your bars. Okay. You can rotate those so they're exactly where you want. Okay. So you're not reaching for them or you're not accidentally clipping them when you're just riding comfortably. You know, right, because their placement adjusts where your elbows, in essence, are Where you want to sit. And everybody rides yeah. a little different. I've been yeah. told I ride a little aggressively with bent arms and kind yeah, of... Yeah, it, it, it's a very lean. aggressive look, yeah. Uh, people have made comment that I look concerning... You're intimidating, them. yeah. Yeah, uh, I've had a couple guys we ride with mention, man, you look like you're coming to attack me from back there. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. I'm sure it's some of the dirt bike kind of elbows out stance that I've yeah. got. Yeah. But when you're just sitting on a seat, it looks like I'm coming angrily at you, which isn't necessarily the case. But yeah, you got depends how slow you're just a, You're just a very but. So I like, you know, I kind of like my controls down facing because I end up with my elbows up a little bit. Yeah. Um, But that's not necessarily the best way to ride or maybe not even the way anybody else rides. So they would want to adjust them to wherever their fingers are. Right. So you're going to have like four touch points potentially that you can adjust. I'm just throwing out a number there. Whatever the case may be. So you're suggesting that some of those, maybe not all of them... Once you get a feel for what you like, you're going to go back and you're going to load up your bike and then you're going to go... Is this still the same feel? So, yeah. So, going back to your, your suspension, even stock, it's going to be set to whatever generally the mid-default is sure. for your front and rear. So, not all bikes are adjustable at all, nor are all bikes adjustable in one or the other. On some of the lower-cost bikes, usually the rear is adjustable, front is default, and can't be changed without replacing springs, things like that. Um, but, yeah... It kind of becomes a game I would recommend just initially playing with it. You, okay. you get your bike, you sit on it, you take some corners, you ride hard, you know, give it some throttle, see how much it dips in the back when you give it throttle, feel what it feels like. And then once you've done that, you know, maybe click it up a notch, see how that feels. Does that feel more firm? Does it give you a little better feedback from the road? Yeah. Is it less mushy? Um, you know, if you're riding long distance and you're just hitting the straight freeway, maybe you want it really mushy. Yeah. You, it's whatever you want that bike to feel like, 
generally a little stiff is but I like it a little bit stiffer yeah. where you can feel that feedback. Mm-hmm. But I also, you know, will click if I go stiff enough that it feels like I'm on a race bike, feels like I'm just not moving and it is planted. Generally for most of my ride I'll do a click or two back from that because okay. you know, I'm hitting bumps and potholes from time to time and I don't really want to feel that all the way up my spine. Sure. I like that. And it depends on whether this is maybe an adventure bike, right? You're going to set that up a little bit yep. differently, whether you're going to be going off yeah. and on-road a little bit or how much time you're going to be spending in each one of those. But it's just interesting because I know that you're talking about doing the XSR 900, and I know these are things that you're going to have to do. Absolutely. I foresee this happening in the next couple months, regardless of whether you sell it or you trade it. So is there anything so, – so you've talked about putting on some different luggage system, whether it be something that you can take on and off, or that you leave it on there to some extent. Probably I see you taking it off, whatever it is, during your normal commuting. So what else do you foresee doing? Like th- this is a must-do based on my experience for this bike first thing. Do you see a windscreen or anything that is a removable? Um, what, see, what do you see doing? I see the windscreen. I haven't done enough research on the windscreen. I know there's a couple of options. Uh, a couple of them look pretty good. Stock similar. I've got the dart on the, uh, the scrambler, and yeah, I like it because yeah, it nice looks look. fine. And it's, you know, it's not obtrusive, but it's there, and it mm-hmm. gets some of the wind off. Sure. It's not, by all means, the end-all, be-all of good windscreens, but yeah, it's not really it works. Tall. Yeah. Um, I know they make a similar one for the XSR. I was impressed with the engineering and the zone that it did clear on the mm-hmm. Triumph that they actually went through and shaped it in such a way that it didn't hit any of my midsection. Yeah. Which, of course, is the biggest sale on me. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it's nice that that was designed and such. I would assume the XSR would be, but I'd have to do more research. I know Yamaha makes theirs, and it's a bigger windscreen. No idea. I don't think it looks that good, so the Dart is the one I would lean to just because of my history on it. But, yeah, I would get a windscreen of some sort, whether it be a removable one just for those trips, because mm-hmm. it's really not that big of a deal for commutes and, and tr- yeah, jaunts yeah, around town. talking 20 minutes. And... Just not that big of a deal. Yeah. I, I know people complain about bikes without fairings and windscreens, but... Depends on how much time you're going to be spending it's, on it. If you're doing multiple days, yeah. re- relieving some of that yep. it makes, is, is, makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. And at yeah. speed, you know, on, on 14, where the speed's a little higher and, and I'm headed home, you know, mm-hmm. anything below 60, it really doesn't matter at all. But once you break that 60 mark, it you can feel the wind. I mean, it, mm-hmm. a little bit of, bu- you know, a little bit of, I guess not buffeting because that's a whole different thing that you have to worry about with your windscreen. Yeah. But a little bit of protection from that wind makes you know makes it just feel smoother, gets rid of some of that you know that inconsistency in the ride. Makes okay. It a very consistent flow as you're breaking straight through that that wind. Um, okay, so you're getting a little closer to being geared up for for the ride, but I have a feeling there's more that you would invest into. I this. would 100% invest in protection, in crash protection. Okay, so you're talking for the bike or are you personally? Uh, yes and yes. I yes have, and yes. I am happy. I've got riding jeans. I've got a little bit thicker riding pants. Mm-hmm. I've got three options now for riding jackets. Okay. I have invested a little bit in my own gear over the last while. I've got a nice helmet now mm-hmm. uh, to where I'm feeling very comfortable in my gear. It's not the best of the best. Right. I know that you've looked off and on at some but, different options, yeah. but you're pretty happy with where but you it's are. Good enough you've got something which is a lot more than I what have, some yeah, may have. Full right? boots, I've got pants, and I've got okay. a jacket, and I've got gloves. So every inch of me is now protected. I'm okay. Not, I'm not running you know, without boots, or I was running in just jeans when I first started, and that's yeah, they make riding jeans, and you can get them for a relatively low price. It's not like they're infinitely expensive anymore. So sure. it's, it's 
you know, it's okay. It, the entry level items for those are fine. Kind of to your point that I, I started with a lot of the the built gear, right? Um, when I started writing because it's affordable and mm-hmm. it's inexpensive and it's there and you're doing you know something's better than nothing mentality. However, I, I have found that you get what you pay for. I mean, that's how most things work, right? Right. But a lot of people are probably buying it because it's at that price point where I don't want to. I don't have the time or money. I, I don't have the money, let's say, to be able to invest in a thousand dollar jacket or or one piece suit or a two thousand dollar one piece suit or whatever it may be. So they're buying this. We're not. We're probably getting some feedback from how it's good or bad. But you, are you saying that the the worst part of it is the durability over the long run? Or the safety aspect of how good it is in the event of an accident. I would say probably both. Durability okay. is definitely you're gonna you're gonna miss out if you ride often. Then the cheaper equipment is gonna just you know the wind and the it's abusive, right? This is right. you're out in the elements. You're getting hit direct by whatever's coming at you: wind, rain, rocks, gravel, whatever it is. You're getting hit, and your gear's taking that 100. percent So it's not gonna last. Right. The same as the nicer gear. But more importantly, usually it's it doesn't have all of the protection points. It doesn't have the impact rating. It is the lowest required level to be CE rated. Okay. Um, you got to be kind of careful of what you get because when you go down, you're gonna hit the ground. You know, if you go down, for the most part, your shoulder or elbow or hand are gonna hit the ground hard. Mm-hmm. And that initial impact takes you know needs some good padding to protect you. Uh, you know, the the wear resistance is generally okay on some of those. They're definitely not a multi-use item when you pay less. If it goes down once, it's done. Sure. But, you know, usually the person that's paying less, which was myself, I went that route because I didn't know how much I was going to ride. Yeah. I didn't realize I was going to well, put Because you had done off-road riding. You'd done off-road riding. You knew that you enjoyed riding, but this was your first time venture into the street side. Yeah. Right. So that's fair. And you ended up putting on more than 10,000 miles. Yeah. I mean, I've got, what, a three-plus-year-old bike with almost 30,000 miles on it. Okay, so about 10. So just under 10 a year, probably eight is a good average is where I'm at. Um, Which isn't, I know there's guys that, you know, kick that out of the ballpark. Well, I think you did 15 in your first year. I did a lot my first year. It wasn't 15, but... Well, but you did it more, and then it yeah. seems like you've kind of well that, and you're looking towards another bike. Yeah. Okay. Lately, but I'm, that's fair. So you, the reason I'm just genuinely genuinely interested in what you're doing for protective gear because, as you've seen when I you ride with me, I'm wearing sure. No, I'm wearing a helmet. You could up your game. I could up my game, and so I'm like, okay, <laughs> I know I've chatted with you a little bit more, but I, this is something interesting to talk about. Yeah. And, so, okay, so it sounds like you're kind of okay in that side, but are you thinking some engine guards and some things for the XSR I 900? I mean, what have you seen on the market that's been appealing for that bike? It's a faster bike. It's the same frame and engine as the FZ09. So the options, I mean, Yamaha makes, what, three, four bikes on that same platform. Sure. The options are limitless. The Tracer, the FJ09, and the XSR 900, are those the three? And the NT09. Okay, They've so all kind of replaced okay. each other as time goes. Oh, sure, sure. But, but it hasn't changed okay. much, and those basic components are all the same okay. still. So you can get a lot of aftermarket choices. So they have some that are OEM formal. parts yep. for protection, but there's also a good aftermarket following. Some show them, sliders nice. and, yeah. and things like that that are pretty inexpensive. So uh, being a bike that's significantly faster, lighter than the bike I've got, just in case it goes mm-hmm. down. It's nice to, you know, for a couple hundred dollars... At, you know, that would be my insurance deductible, and I could just put that down immediately so that I don't have anything break. 
Right. Should the bike slide out or be, you know, an error due to something dumb I did or some uncontrolled mm-hmm. pile of wet leaves or moss. Right. right? Those things that you corner, can't yeah. control. Sure. sure. Um, you know, if, if there's an accident on the road, then that's, none of that's going to help, but that's all right. Well, I think you want to protect yourself for the more frequent, slow speed yep. incidences where you're coming around a blind corner and you get into some leaves late in the season. Yep. And it wants to uh, split out in the front or something like that. So, so, so okay. So you've got now you've got bags. You got a windscreen. You've got some extra protective gear. What else do you see yourself doing? Do you see any customizations right away that you would just have to do just because? I mean, you are the slacker moto guy. I mean, what what do you see on in that venue? The XSR is just begging for a custom fender, front and rear. If you ask me, okay, it's just. Right, that might come a little bit later, right? Because you just yeah. want to get it set up for this ride, which the, is coming yeah. soon. The goal is to but, get it and get set up and get the miles on to do the first service and be ready to just ride okay. the heck out of it for the upcoming ride. But, uh, yeah, but near future would be a lot of custom panels. The, the side, there's a couple sections that are just open. I feel like side panels would be great. Some side laser. panels, would you do a number plate? I mean, we've seen that on some of them. It has, it has kind not, of a neat, it, it's an interesting yeah. look. It's kind of a cool look, but... Not really. I wouldn't call it a number plate, but I plan to do some fairing for the rear sure. of, of my own there. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of things running through my head for that bike, which is why I'm kind of getting itchy There's to the, get it. As yeah, I any sketches, anything like that? Time I, I haven't done any sketches really. Okay, um, but I've got a lot of things running through my head, so yeah, that, that, yeah. that's kind of why the bike's wearing at me and eating at me to get it. Okay, um, and kind of why it was easy to. Briefly think of the FJ09 and then write it off quickly because I already had enough things I wanted to do the XSR. Sure. After we talked a little bit, it does make more sense to just buy that stuff than wait for it to come with the bike. They have similar ride modes. They're just similar enough that you end up with a very nice bike for less money and you can do the rest yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot of things that, you know, if you could have two or three of the same bike, it would be mm-hmm. fun. That's such a bike that's versatile, similar to the Scrambler, yeah. where you can have, you know, a, a cafe racer, you could have an off-road, you know, tracker, you could have, there's so many options to go with the bike that yeah. it would be fun to have an off-road version of the F, or of the XSR, but that's just, I ride enough that that's not practical. Okay, so there's lots of tangents that could come off of this, but we'll uh, see, we'll see, yeah, six we'll years see. down the road, what, what it becomes. Yes, lately I seem to be on a three-year plan with these bikes. I put I put enough miles that I've decided to, after. Three I know, but years, you're gonna you're, if you keep on trading them in or selling them, you're never going to get to the five bikes. That's true. So you, at some point, you got to hold on to one of these. Yeah, that's this true. This could be it. That's this true. could be one of the five. It kind of fits that, a few of them. That triple is, or at least one of the one of the spots is smooth and light. That is what's nice about the. That 09 series for, for mm-hmm. Yamaha. Internally balanced, I'm sure. I'm sure it's, yeah. I'm sure it's that a lot of fun. Very I want to go out and when, when we can go to one of these demo days, get on that bike just because I'm sure it's a blast. That's right. You wouldn't be getting excited about it if no, it wasn't. I, so I I've got to get on it. Just the same as me pushing you to just try out the Scout just because it's different than what I imagine a cruiser to be. Yeah. Okay, so we, we've, we've looked at the new bike side. So you're looking, you're buying a brand new bike, you're getting it set up for a... For, uh, Long ride, and I only—I know we only covered a couple things. We're not going to talk about packing or anything like that. Sure, we're just talking about setting up the bike itself. So, what about for those that are going to take something used on a bike on a bike ride like this, where it's maybe a few days? Like, so let's look at uh, somebody buying a used bike. Let's say it's a KLR two fifty, and now not looking at what I'm doing to it right now, but you just bought a bike and you want it to be dependable 
for one of these rides. And you need to, I mean, obviously we've talked about maybe a windscreen, maybe some racking. I mean, there's a couple other things that one could do, maybe some engine guards and protection. But what about just that normal maintenance stuff that you should absolutely do before you go on no, I think I think that's important. I think the yeah, you're right. I think you need to take a step back and new or used. I mean, same thing goes. I mentioned that you know I want to get the bike in time to get my first service in, mm-hmm. ride it enough to do those those first couple services just so that it's smooth and ready to roll. For the same reason, because the really before you put bags, you can strap bags on the back of anything. You can figure it out. Yeah, I mean, bikes are versatile. You know, ideally you can have the perfect setup bike with every perfect rack and windshield that you want, but if you just want to go ride and you've got two wheels, you can just throw crap on the back and disappear, and it'll do right. it. Right. That's, I mean, that, that is the adventure of, what, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. That is what motorcycles were, mm-hmm. is you threw whatever you had ready, and you just disappeared for a trip. Yeah. Whether that was a day trip or a multi-day trip, who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll do it. Yeah. Uh, and I still feel that way about bikes. I've had a couple bikes off-road, on-road, mm-hmm. you know. On hard pack, yeah, street tires don't do well, but they'll do it. You don't have to be afraid of that. You can yeah. give it a shot. Just go slow. If you need to have your feet down as skis. Do it. Have fun. Go mm-hmm. do whatever you want on your bike. Ride it and use it. Yeah. But a lot of that comes, yeah, stepping back from that gear where you got to make sure you got good oil. Okay. And if you buy a used bike, first thing I would do is an oil change. Regardless oil of whether they said or whether you see that the oil looks N- new. If they've got a receipt and you, I mean, it depends on the buy or the seller, right? If they've got good records that show, mm-hmm. hey, I just did this on this day, you're confident with them, you know that they did, the oil looks nice and clean and new, mm-hmm. then by all means, don't worry about it. Right. But, you know, if it looks dark at all and doesn't look brand new and fresh and they're like, yeah, I just did it. I can't prove it. I just did it, though. Change the oil. Yeah. So Okay. So you bought something that had, let's say, 15,000 to 20,000 miles on it. Oil looks good. Would you suggest that you ride it for 500 miles? Check the oil. Obviously, you should be maintaining that visual and seeing it sure. anyway. Should Check you drain it at that point at, before a ride? Should you put some miles on the bike beforehand? Because I know that we're only looking at oil right now, but I think this kind of grows into much more that we're going to look at from the safety aspect, including brakes and and uh, yep. drivetrain in general. Um if I yeah, if I were doing a trip, I would not. Now you can, and guys have done it. And if you get the right bike, by all means, you'll be fine. But I would not buy the bike the day before a five day trip across the country. Right, obviously, yeah, yeah. Because but, but it just, happens. You, you, I mean, you can go and rent a bike, and you can from get a from a dealership or from you know, other I, places, and you never know what's going to be I've on heard there. Just as many nightmares from rental bikes having problems as yeah. from people doing the same thing with saying, "Hey, I'm going to buy." A, and granted, this is something I would like to do on my bucket list: is buy a bike in New York and ride it across yeah, country. Back. Yeah, we've talked about it, but. You know, if I were to do that, I am just far too risk averse to just say, hey, here's a random bike on Craigslist in New York. I'm just going to buy that one. Sight unseen, no phone calls, right? I'm going to find somebody that has good records, can email me those records, can prove that it's ready to go, can take it to a dealer for yeah, me. Would you have it verified? And, yeah, and have it all checked. Yeah. You know, I would not just buy a bike for a trip like that on a whim. I would make, you know, verify that it's a good bike. Okay, but um, none of that's there. But none of that's but you there. wanna you wanna go through it and you're like, man, this is this is my dream bike. And yeah, it's kind of a project, but it runs great. I've taken it for a ride, it feels pretty good, but I just got it. So I don't know what feels right for this bike 
I don't know what feels wrong for this bike. Because some bikes, the brakes are going to feel a little bit different. On and off, the throttle is going to be a little bit different. You can tell. Sounds and noises. So, I mean, I'm saying like, okay, first thing, I want to make sure that the bike can stop regardless of what's yep. going on. So, I'm thinking, check the brakes. Check for wear. Make sure that the pads look good. Check, make sure that the cables are good. They're not fraying. That everything looks like it's not at the end of its adjustment. I mean, that's what's coming for mind as far as yep. buying a bike and starting somewhere. It's and it's easier than it sounds sometimes because you can end up. I mean, you check the oil. If it looks good and they said they just did it and they have records, don't worry about it. Sure. If you're not sure and it looks dark, change it. Yeah. Look at the that's brake dark. fluid. If the brake yeah, fluid is turning yeah, orange. Good. Get, get it out. You don't know how old it is. Most people don't change their brake fluid. It should be changed at least every two years. Okay. And yeah. most people don't. And so it sounds like if you're buying something, you should just do it. If it's light yellow, maybe, yeah. you know, like pure apple juice, just barely, you oh, know, yellowish, yeah. Yeah. you're okay. If it's starting to turn orange at all, get it out. Just yeah. do it. Okay. Brake fluid's cheap. For 10 bucks, you can get more brake fluid if enough for five bikes. Yeah. Right? You can get brake fluid cheap. Mm-hmm. Just swap it out. Do it. Um, you know, from there, though, there's not a ton. I mean, transmission, you're going to feel. And a, a bike's transmission will go a long way with worn plates. Right. If you've got damage in there, you're going to know because it's going to get stuck in gear. It's not going to shift right. You're going to have problems where it, you know, just drags or doesn't, either drags the whole time or won't grip. Right. You're going to notice if there's legitimate mechanical right. failure. But if it's just... The transmission, you know, same clutch for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. and there's still some life left, it's still going to work. You don't yeah. have to go in there. If you want it to be crisper, then by all means, buy yourself a, a you know, an aftermarket transmission, you know, an aftermarket clutch kit, mm-hmm. uh, and you're good. You can do that. But yeah. that's a lot Clean more Clean the lube, the oil filter, right? That's obviously something, or not the oil filter, but the air filter, sorry. Yep. Check right. the air filter. So, so you check that. You got the chain. Most bikes you don't necessarily clean in lube. I mean, obviously KLR will probably have that. Yeah. Um, but most of the street bikes you're going to get, you just just buy a new one. Just okay. do it. It's 20 30 bucks at most. Okay. Just buy it. Throw it on. Um, especially, you know, a lot of the Japanese bikes, it's pretty inexpensive for these components. It's not hard to, to find. You know, you can still get all these new old stock, okay. and they're all around. Uh, wheel bearings is one, you know, that's yeah. easy enough to check. You can kind of just coast, and if you're on a straight, you know, fl- what seems pretty flat, where if you stopped on that same area and you're not rolling one way or the other, it's probably flat enough. Go and, you know, pull the clutch in, and if you keep rolling and it doesn't feel like you're slowing down, and you know, it doesn't feel like you have drag, your bearings are probably okay for now. Um, you know, be careful when you get a used bike, be careful getting up to speed. Yeah. Just because the bearings feel good or the suspension feels good doesn't mean it doesn't right. have. If it feels some good tweak. at sixty. It may be different at eighty. Yep. Right? I know you mentioned I mean, that once earlier. Once you start breaking forty-five, fifty, you you can quickly get into a danger zone. That's if you've a got a bike one. that's got any kind of frame bending, anything that's not true, the second there's there's a almost a, a hard knock I've seen in those bikes or a hard notch that once you get past that speed. It starts to wobble. You'll you'll feel the bars get shaky, mm-hmm. and you by no means want to go faster than that. You don't want yeah. to wait to see yeah. where, where is this dangerous. Yeah, slow down, slow down, and start and looking at things and figure out what's going on. Yep. Yeah. Some of it. Yeah. Sometimes that's just you've got you know bad shocks, and you can check that. Check the forks. Wheels, look for yeah. look for any fluid around the seals. Look for any weird dust spots that look like maybe they're caked on. You can see if there's problems with that. Yeah. It's not. 
you know, and if you're not sure, by all means, hire someone to come look. There's independent guys that'll come through and do yeah. pre-purchase checks. All dealers will do them. Most mechanics will do them. You know, take it to somebody who knows what they're doing. If you don't, mm-hmm. and have them take a look at it. Pay the hundred and fifty bucks yeah. to make sure you don't kill yourself. Yeah, that peace of mind and insurance. It's not insurance, but you're just verifying that it's at the level that you need it to be, especially if you're going to want to go on a trip in the next month, let's say, with said bike. And so I also mentioned the chain as well, uh, the sprockets. So each one of those, you don't know how long they've been on there or if they've been replaced at any point. An easy check for the chain is if you just grab the center of the chain on the rear sprocket and you pull it forward or back, if it has any give, it's worn. Okay. If you pull it and it doesn't move, then you're fine, at least for for wear on chain mm-hmm. and sprocket. At that point, you want to kind of make sure your wheel is trued. You can tell that generally by the wear. If on you that. put it in, if you get it up to 25, 30 miles per hour going down a hill or wherever, and you put it in neutral, so run it up second to 25, 30, drop it into neutral, let go of the, everything. Be very careful when doing this, please. Let go of the bars, and if it starts to lean one way or the other on its own, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing it because of the wind or whatever, you can generally tell if it's a violent yeah. lean or not. I'm glad everybody could see you with your arms uh, up, yeah, leaning left and right. Well, yeah. Just want to make sure that everybody understands that you are doing a visual there, and we by no means endorse that. Uh, don't try this at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that being said, I've done it many times. Every time I do a replace the wheel on the back, it looks yeah. true, feels right. But I'll always first ride, check to see if it has. It, well, you it should be able to, to see. I mean, it may be a little other. bit late, but you can see where on the chain. You can see well, it on that sprocket. Sorry, but it's easy well. enough to you know even for that yeah. matter, have someone stand behind you while you're holding it straight up mm-hmm. and tell you if that tire looks like it's either skewed one way or the other. Right. If it doesn't look straight up and down, front to back, top to bottom, then you've got to, you know you need to go through yeah. and play with your your adjustments, mm-hmm. the adjusters on the rear. Um, but you know, chain and sprocket they can be terribly dangerous, and people are, you know, even I when I first got the bike was quite worried about you know having it break or whatever it would be. But realistically, they if they're old and they're making a lot of noise, replace them. Yeah. If they're not making a lot of noise and they look like they're true and they feel fine and you pull that slack on the back of the rear sprocket and there is none, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I highly recommend keeping the chain clean. I, I know I get made fun of for having a pretty pristine chain and sprockets. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I've never had to... I mean, I've replaced them due to it being time to replace them after two years of wear and almost 20,000 miles. It could have gone, I'm sure, a lot further, but it was starting to have to be adjusted fairly often, so it was yeah. time to change it. Yeah. Uh, but it, I mean, that that's pretty good wear. I, when I first looked at bikes, one of the biggest things people told me not to get a chain bike, a bike that's chain driven, because every 5,000 miles you have to replace it. And I'm sure if you never touch that chain and just let it soak in its own grime, that's true. Yeah. But I've seen your the, chain and. <laughs> for the low cost it, of a can of way. lube every six months. You can keep that chain pretty clean, and it's not that hard. I've done on-road chains where you just spray it, clean it, push it, spray it, clean it, push it. Mm -hmm. I've lifted that rear tire and done it really quickly in 10 seconds. Whatever you can do, it's well worth the few seconds of investment after the last ride of the week, every week, or whatever you're doing to keep it clean. Because you'll find you get so much life out of it 
that it's you know a cheap cheap maintenance. Sure. I mean, I think that goes in line for kind of everything you're asking. You know, the oil change, brake fluid, air cleaner. In the end, if you're buying a bike, granted, if you're buying a $300 bike, that stuff adds up because suddenly, you know, it's more expensive than the bike itself. But right. when you're buying a five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 bike, which is most bikes that people are kind of buying in the mm-hmm. market, you know, if you're buying a nicer bike, then just do that stuff. If you don't have good records, replace it. Yeah. I mean, you might know the person that you're buying it from. You may have been able to observe it. So if I was like buying your Triumph, I wouldn't second guess a lot of this just because I know and I've witnessed it. Sure. But if you're buying it off, I mean, just somebody random, they could be completely honest and I'm not discrediting them. I'm just saying that you should always check and go through this because you never know and you don't want to be caught in a situation where you have a serious problem. So like you're in a car where you've got this nice little roll cage around you in essence, you want to make sure that you're safe. And yep. that's part of the process is making sure that the vehicle that you're and on is. I would even say stuff. if you're buying a dealer bike, have this stuff looked at. Just because yeah. they say they went through it. If you know the dealer and you know the shop and you know that they did, great. But I think it's a great opportunity for you as the owner to check out the bike, learn about the bike, understand sure. its systems, where everything is, and then you kind of get a mental idea of, okay, well, that's kind of a pain. And this is something that I've heard is a pain in the butt on these bikes especially over long miles, I need to make sure I have that tool. This is where it is. This is the access for it, whatever the case may be. And I'm saying that that's the story for everybody. But I think it's good to understand. And something that's been talked about a hundred times, but it's worth mentioning as well, is while you're doing that, if you're adjusting something, changing something, swapping something, whatever it is, if you used a tool, an 8 millimeter wrench, and then you needed a 13, and you had an 8 and 13, and that whole job was done, either get a spare or throw those two in a separate bag. Take them out of your toolbox and put them in a spot so that when you go on a longer ride, we're talking about pre-trip bikes, right? Yeah, yeah. When you go on a longer ride, you know, hey, I needed an 8 and a 13. They're both in the bag. I can throw that bag on the bike. Mm-hmm. As you do these things, whatever tools you use, throw either a spare or the same tool off into that bike's tool bag. Because, yeah. uh, you know, some dealers or some manufacturers will have a fairly good toolkit. Mm-hmm. The Triumph has an Allen wrench. Uh, it's a terrible toolkit because most of the bolts don't even use an Allen wrench. So <laughs> it really does almost nothing except the rear. You could take the seat off. Yeah. Um, that's about as good as it goes with a couple of exceptions. So it, it's important to kind of take those items and if you need that tool, throw it to the side. You mm-hmm. know, keep it handy so that every time you're working on your bike, you've got your, you know, whatever bike you got tool bag. You yeah. know, your XSR tool bag. Everything's got the tools they need to work on that bike. Cause sure. It doesn't matter how new or old the bike is, you can have problems on the road, and, and having the right tools to fix it is worth its weight in gold. Some things will happen that maybe you need to just get the tow truck. Mm-hmm. So AAA is always a good thing to buy. Yeah. If you're the kind of person that's buying a used bike and is planning to go on a trip very soon, by all means have AAA, because they'll get you 100 miles, and rarely are you all that far from some bike dealership that can work on it for you. Right. So there's, you know, there's options along those lines as well that can get you, get you a lot of help. Now, out of curiosity, did your scrambler come with a tool bag? I know that it's not it complete. Not. Yours did not come with it. It has a small little hole that an Allen wrench slips into. That's it. But it doesn't provide... They didn't give you the Allen wrench. No, it comes with the Allen wrench. Oh, good. You get one Allen wrench. Yeah. Yes, and a yep. hole that it slides into. Yep. A spot, nice. a spot that holds it, a little rubber rubber mount for it to slide, slip into. And what is that for? Uh, you can get remove the seat screws. So you okay. get the seat off, which is the battery, electronics, OBD2. Okay. Uh, it's about all that's back there that's useful. Um, there's a handful of other little screws here and there that are 
that have an Allen wrench. Some of your bar adjustments oh. are just simple Allen, and they're all the same size Allen at least. Yeah, which uh, makes most sense. of it's an M8. I, I've got an M8 wrench that'll undo almost everything. M6 and M8 is most of that bike. Yeah, yeah. A couple cool. of bigger bolts for you know wheels. I've got a it's a 15 millimeter for the for the wheel. Uh, you know, different different wrenches I've also thrown into the kit as I needed them because obviously wheel adjustments important. Um, there's a couple things that it's worth having a few other tools. So I've got all those uh, ready to in a bag for when I go on a trip. I just throw that bag in the, in the bottom of my luggage um, and it's ready to go. Yeah, because I know in the KLR250 it has it's supposed to have a bag of minor tools that are for the bike so that way you can do a lot of things. Now a lot of the times you're also off-road and you're away from civilization potentially and so it makes more sense that they have some toolkits minor toolkits in them. I know four-wheelers are the same way that they usually have. Most bikes sort of have, and so you can buy the Triumph toolkit. Oh, that's nice. Which has them. basically everything else you would need. Um, why it doesn't come with it, that's a great question. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I had enough tools at home that I wasn't worried about that. Sure. Um, had I been somebody who wasn't, I mean, to be told, if I didn't have tools at home, I probably wouldn't be the kind of person that worked on it anyway. And I would have bought the extended warranty, including, you know, um, I think that's coverage. A lot of the reason why XYZ, it's not available. That if I don't a lot have of the tools, then I'm just going to have the dealership do everything. Yeah. Which is, you know, there's something to be said about that. The older I get, the more I like that idea. I still okay. end up doing most of the work, especially on the bikes that are so easy and small mm-hmm. and compact that you don't need a ton of space and you can do most everything pretty quickly. Um, to be told, I've got older cars and do the same thing, but. Some of my newer cars, sometimes now it's just easier to say, hey, you, they can do the diagnostics, they know more, and then get that in and out quicker than I can figure it out. Yeah, so that's fair. Just pay the fee and have somebody deal with it. So if you don't know bikes, by all means, like we said before, right? If you're buying a used bike and you're worried about it, then take it to a dealer for 150 bucks, whatever they charge, to, to look at it. Mm-hmm. And give it a once-over and do their inspection. And you know, if there's anything that direly needs support, they can do it too, or they can just tell you what needs to be done and you can do it. I, I, I definitely recommend that if you're going to do that, that's great. And that's understanding your capabilities or your time that you have available as to whether or not you take it to a dealer or to a mechanic in general. But I would suggest looking it up online, whatever that is, and at least researching it so that way they're going to be the ones in there. But having some of that just fundamental basic overview knowledge of what's there what your bike is composed of and what failed or what's going on. You never know in the future, you might have to do a roadside repair and having that knowledge base could be valuable. Oh, I definitely agree with that. And I would even go as far as saying, get the manual for the bike. Yeah. The the Haynes or Climber manual, you can get them for basically any bike, 20 bucks, whatever it is. And you can do anything and everything down to a full teardown. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but especially for your, you know, your torque specs and your oil capacity. And oh, your fluid for sure. Capa- I mean, just yeah. for that alone, yeah. having a quick re- quick reference next to you at all times is pretty nice to have. Yeah. And it's worth its weight in gold in your garage. Well, I get into a certain spot a lot of the times where, a lot of the times I can figure something out. I've taken things apart enough that I kind of understand the process uh, definitely. But you might get to a certain point where it's like, man, is that really the best thing for me to remove next to be able to get to that part, that carburetor? Whereas the manual is going to state, hey, actually, you remove this part, and then it provides easy access to it. That's just something you hadn't thought of. So it can save you time. 
and headaches and additional gaskets that you have to buy or whatever the case may be. Sure. I agree with that. That's awesome. Sure. Anything else you can think of that somebody might want to, might need to know or want to know before? Getting a bike and going on one of these trips. Now, you can do a lot of trips solo. I'm a big fan of having a group. Uh, having broken down on a long trip, Yeah, it's nice to have somebody that can go run and make a phone call where there's service. Somebody that can mm-hmm. go and make sure that things are going smooth. Having a group around and with you is a, is a big help. Now, and somebody that's actually willing to let you ride two up if you have to. Sure. In that to moment. To go pick up the rental truck to haul your bike. The rental truck. We just talked about AAA and you just said rental truck. I yeah. just want to combine those two. But anyway. Yeah. You do what you got to do, man. <laughs> uh, but I would definitely say, you know, that, that having a group is always nice. That's one benefit we have is we've kind of assembled a, a really good group. Yeah, it is. Uh, kind of the initial of, of what I call the bunch of slackers here. But whether they agree or not is irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, they're slackers. Uh, a handful do. Default. But, but uh, you know, it's nice to go on these trips at least once a year, little side trips here and there with a group of guys that, we're a motley crew of bikes, but everybody rides similarly enough that we all can have fun, mm-hmm. and no one really leaves anyone in the dust, right? Even if they do for the short period, next gas stop, everybody reassembles and separates as they need to. I think that's a great point, as far, especially for a new rider, that they're out there with somebody. Sometimes they can push the limits, obviously, if it's somebody that's been out there riding a lot. But if they know that they've got a newer rider that hasn't, and you've been honest with them, that you haven't done a lot of these longer rides, you're not familiar with this area that you're going to be going through, they're going to keep that in their mind, especially with the group that you know that cares and wants to have fun as a group, that you're going to be out there and they're going to be able to help support you going in and whether the they are helping lead at certain speeds and they allow you to follow or lead depending on what's going on, just, uh, just saying. And then if you have any breakdowns, they've got experience. That's the big thing is they've been through this. They've had bikes for a while potentially, and they're going to help be able to help you. So I think that's definitely a good point. Uh, Communication is big on that. Make sure yeah. that you understand what signals mean, if you're going to use signals. There's only one idea. piece of sign language, right? But, uh, yeah, only one that you need for other drivers. But you need oh. a lot more amongst your group. Oh, okay. Um, but understand, you know, pointing out things in the road, understand what might happen, where to ride, whether you're riding, you know, two by two or whether you're riding single file, whatever you want to do, make sure that the group understands what they're doing and is comfortable with that riding. Sure. Um, that communication is really important. And then, uh, you know, I, the last thing I guess I would say that's unrelated to what you should bring is the more and more I think about it, the more and more I look at it, the more I plan on doing kind of trips that are less common in my life, mm-hmm. kind of some of these, maybe the we've been talking about these backcountry discovery routes and, and different things like that that you can you can do that you don't really need an expensive bike. I, one of the biggest things I want to get across with this podcast, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you're kind of along the same lines, yeah. Brad, is that motorcycling is for everybody, that you don't have to have $15,000 for a used Harley yeah. or $30,000 for a new one. Or $35,000 for a BMW, or $10,000 for a new Triumph, or whatever it is that for, you know, two, three thousand $3,000, you can have a bike that will go for three, four days and do any of these trips. Mm-hmm. You may not do, you know, a buck ten from here to New York on one of those bikes, but you could do a trip a little slower and at the right pace on just back roads from here to New York on a $2,000 yeah. $2, bike all day. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, with relatively right low miles as well. Yeah, and that's why I was bringing up the the used bike market because I think, I mean, that's definitely the case for me. I'm not going to spend fifteen thousand dollars. Maybe someday it would be great, but right now, yeah, it's more likely that I'm going to come across a couple thousand dollars, or I'm going to try to swing for that. And I can get something decent and then put some time into evaluating and making sure it's up to snuff. And then I'm going to take it out and enjoy yep. it. Yeah, that, that, that's, I think, the important part is, you know, get, get your endorsement and yeah, that's just fair. ride. If you have an interest in it, it's so fun. Yeah. And that feeling on the back of a bike, you, you can't beat it. It's, it's totally different than anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had convertibles. I have that Jeep. I've, I've done different things that that have been fun to drive and, and be in the elements with. But something about the back of the bike, the leaning, it's just a whole different experience. Yeah. So if you have the interest in, in doing it, I mean, cost shouldn't be the intimidating factor. You can get lower-cost gear. You can get a lower-cost bike and put a little bit of work into it to make sure it's safe and you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have the newest, nicest stuff to keep up and have fun. I mean, uh, Brad's per- the perfect example of this, that you've got that KLR 250 Mm-hmm. And we hit the twisties, and you know, in the areas you know, you leave us in the dust, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we could be running with a leader bike, and you're still going to leave us in the dust because you know the corners, you know the pace to hit them. The rest yeah. of us don't want to go down, so we're not going to try to hit them faster than we're comfortable, right? You know, and and that's a good way of riding. I mean, there's probably people that will hit them faster than they're comfortable, and we'll go down. Yeah, but you know, the group we have is smart enough to know better than that. Mm-hmm. And to kind of keep it at a fair pace. And so, you know, when you're taking off, even though you've got just a little 250, you know, we got to wait for a straightaway to come ripping up to catch up because right. you made so much distance on those corners. And so you don't need a top of the line leader bike. You don't need a big, you know, 1300 FJR to tour. Yeah. You can tour on whatever you got. And I say, by all means, do it. Yeah. If you're questioning it, just get a bike, get out there, enjoy it, you know. Plant that bug that's going to continue to grow. And then if you want another bike, get it later. Get it next year. You're going to have a blast that first year, no matter what the bike is. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, that's that's an important factor, I think, good. for me. Is that's a good get point. I like ride. that point. That's good. That's so good. I appreciate this topic. I know you kind of mulled over this topic a little bit today, but I think it's a, it's a good one to get people out. Uh, to maybe make the, the motorcycle community a little more accessible. Yeah. Right? It's not this, you know, this unicorn in the corner that you can only have if you've got money and time. And it doesn't take all that much money. It doesn't take all that much time to go out and ride. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important. Yeah, now I want to go out and ride. And I can't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can. It's also probably, raining pretty hard. Probably will right this now. week. I think yeah. it's supposed to be nice Wednesday or Tuesday, tomorrow. It's supposed to be nice one of these days. Okay. So the bike will be out. I don't want to get it too dirty since it's on the market. I hate cleaning it that often. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'll get out this week. You don't have a lot of chrome to shine, so that helps. That is nice. But the matte it looks dirty pretty quick. That matte That's blue. Fair. One little bit of raindrop gets rid of that matte color and makes it all weird looking. Yeah, it's okay. It's a problem with custom colors. Oh, well. All right, man. Well, that kind of wraps up our discussion over new bikes for the most part and kind of getting them ready for the road. But if you guys have any questions, feel free to shoot us some emails, uh, questions, comments, complaints, uh but uh, thanks for joining me tonight, Addison. No problem. Appreciate it, Brad. That's uh, that's fun. Yeah, you can you can send us anything you want. Slackermoto.com slash radio uh, has the web or has the uh, podcast itself. But otherwise, of course, everything to access us is on the website. There, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we appreciate anybody that 
that's willing to support us, uh, all those that uh, that have looked at our Patreon page, feel free to visit it. And if you want to be generous enough to support us, we will be ever so grateful. Be a friend. Um, yeah, be a friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> but otherwise, you know, we appreciate anybody that's sharing our, our podcast and that can rate and review us and yes, let us you. know what you're thinking. Yeah. Let us know uh, anything you'd like to hear or, or anything else. We'll yeah, we need some topics, man. Some relevant topics that you guys want to want to hear. We, last, uh, I guess last thing to mention kind of along the lines of what we talked about today, I really want to create this community. So, you know, let us know if you're in town. We'll give you some good rides. We're in the Northwest. We know a lot of the good rides in the Portland area, you know, basically as far north or south or east or west you could go in a day. We've got a lot of good rides. Well, feel free to, to hit us up and, and let us know you're coming to town. And, you know, we'd be happy to go out to lunch or whatever we can do to, to spend some time with anybody that's listening. We'd love to uh, to kind of build that community and have that available. If you get Absolutely. broke down, you know, give us a holler and we'll find a way to come help out. Yeah, do it. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, right on. Mm-hmm.